The following podcast is brought to you by Crosswinds Golf and Country Club in beautiful Burlington, Ontario. You know, Mark Twain once said that golf is a good walk spoiled, but Mark Twain never played Crosswinds, to my knowledge. <laughs> I love walking uh, that course and, and taking in the natural beauty and the scenery and the landscape. And believe me, if you want to drive a cart for 18 holes, the views are just as spectacular as the golf. At Crosswinds, there's a commitment to excellence from the time you drive through the gates, and it continues through your round, after the round, as you're leaving. They might even come out and wave goodbye, thanks for coming. You remember like the Beverly Hillbillies at the end of the show, <laughs> where they waved, you know, thanks for coming. Anyway, the golf course is always in perfect shape, and Crosswinds is a very uh, reasonably priced uh, golf course. You can book your tee times up to 14 days in advance by going to crosswindsgolf.com. Check them out, and when you get there, tell them Hebsy sent you. Now, Mike, let's start the podcast. Welcome to Hebsey on Sports, episode number 203. I'm your host, Mark Hebsher, in the Little Italy studios, and there's Toronto Mike over there in the new Toronto studio, uh, the uh, indoor studio. There are two studios there. Right. <laughs> uh, and I don't know too many people that have indoor and outdoor studios. It's uh, pretty progressive. Anyway, today on the show, who had Tampa Bay and Dallas for the Stanley Cup final? Hey, raise your hands. Anybody? No? Bueller? <laughs> Dallas and Tampa Bay. Dream matchup. It, uh, maybe more so for the Super Bowl. You know, Tom Brady against America's team. Right? I could see, you know, Tampa, Dallas, Super Bowl. Sure. Are they in? Yeah, they're in different conferences. Right. Um, anyway, so uh, we'll talk about that. Exciting, uh, boy, some really exciting games in that Islander uh, mm -hmm. Tampa series. Um, the Miami Heat go up to love on the Boston Celtics in the Eastern Conference wow. Finals, the NBA. And there's a lot of screaming and yelling going on. Yep. And speaking of screaming and yelling, a media Twitter war between an old white guy and a young black woman. And one of them, at least, apparently, allegedly, is a racist in the media going on right in front of our very eyes. Who'd have thunk? The Blue Jays. Uh, let's not forget them. They not only got swept by the Yankees, they give up a record number of home runs to the Bronx Bombers. Babe Ruth would be turning in his grave. It was a lot tougher to hit home run back in his day in that ballpark. That was a different ballpark, actually. Right. Um, and still, with all the losing, the Jays' magic number is seven to make the postseason. We'll talk about some dumb rules in sport and some of the dumbest, most hack expressions used by sportscasters today. For example, did the Tampa Bay Lightning really, quote, punch their ticket to the <laughs> cup final? And what the hell does that even mean? Like, people are saying, do you know what you're saying? When you use such a hack expression, anyway, we'll get into that and some other stuff. I'll, I'll accept your suggestions as to expressions you can't stand, but not by athletes, by sportscasters, because the athlete 110% backs the wall. Forget, I'm talking about some of the stuff that, that's being said nowadays. Um, tennis, golf, plenty more coming up. Let's begin, though, uh, with what I've been watching. Spending a lot of time this week, I, I thought about it, a number of hours watching the Blue Jays. And Mike, I... I <laughs> I feel as if I've been beaten up that I was in like the ring with Mike Tyson for the last three days. Oh, I'm battered and I'm bruised and I don't know what to think about this baseball team. Well, what do you think of this baseball team? I mean, they gave up a lot of runs. Like, I mean, that's, that's a lot of runs. They gave up the last uh, three games. That's scary. <laughs> and, and not just the way it's it, it, all the home runs. The only thing I can think of is, to blame it all on Derek Fisher. Because, you know, you, you talk about getting off on the right foot, so to speak. Well, the, the exact opposite for the Jays. So the way I looked at it was this. Yeah. The Yankees took advantage in the first inning of the first game of the series, and that momentum carried them, gave them the confidence for the rest of the series that they were going to beat this team no matter what, w whether it would be handing runs to them by dropping fly balls or whether it be with the home run ball or however it was, they knew that the Jays had a lousy defense. They could be had and that their, um, their character, their, I don't know, work ethic or whatever could, could be questioned. 
that, that there could be some doubt in the minds of the Blue Jay players that maybe they weren't good enough to beat the Yankees. And it was evident in the first inning of the first game of the series. And then that Yankee magic just that crushed the okay. Blue Jays, steamrolled them. But you don't really believe what you're saying right now. I, I do. No, I, I think do. Derek Fisher's error set, I hate to say it, set the tone <laughs> for the rest of the series. But again, on a serious note here, uh, momentum doesn't work that way, right? Like this is, this is. Uh, I wouldn't know. I've never played professional sports, but I think in this case, yeah, I think the Yankees just were going, oh, we can beat these guys. They, they can beat themselves and we can beat them. I mean, I'm not going to argue with the great Hebsey man, but uh, I don't think you can take a, a, a one inning and, and that can create a momentum that could ride you through a three game series. I, I think that's uh, ludicrous. I, okay. I just think the Jays sure. lost confidence. <laughs> In themselves, I, it was it, look. It was evident. Taiwan Walker was pitching just fine. Obviously rattled by the two drop fly balls by Derek Fisher. Uh, before you know it, it's seven to one, and it's ball game over. But I just think that they were so beaten after that first game, and then the next day, apparently Matt Shoemaker in uh, in batting live batting practice hits Derek Fisher in the knee, and Fisher goes on the IL. Come on. They should have DFA'd the guy. And what, so what's going on there? And the other thing is that there aren't any reporters per se that can get close to this um, action and uh, what's going on in the clubhouses and whatever to really get the real story. But I, I, I'm thinking the Derek Fisher thing, somebody, as soon as he dropped that second fly ball, Shapiro was on the phone saying, get rid of this guy, something. Remember, he took that. I know all the fans were. He took that ball in the face uh, in his debut. That was last year, yeah. Right. So, do you have any like, thoughts on this? Because I mean, I watched the replays of those those balls that he dropped. Like, I, they really are routine. Like, it's yes. like what yes. what are your There's thoughts? No, Is it a psychological no issue for that? Yeah. Like, if you can't catch a baseball, and you're an outfielder in the major leagues. What, like, what good are you in slow pitch? If you're, uh, I don't know, your your right fielder dropped the same balls or whatever. Like you, you would be so disappointed. And I'm talking about recreational slow pitch, right? Yeah. And now they're talking about Charlie Montoyo, possibly manager of the year. And okay. He doesn't, I mean, there's injuries. I mean, but can he not say, look, I can't have Derek Fisher on my team. I can't put him out there instead of putting him out there and saying, well, it's a short porch at Yankee stadium and, and Fisher can hit some home runs there. I mean, that's not a good enough reason to put him out there. Put Kevin Biggio out there. Right. But Derek Fisher has proven and he proved it last year. We, everybody made fun of him last year getting hit in the head it was like a jose canseco moment ha 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 but as i recall uh, atkins was really high on this guy remember was it of course. Sh- they, they were well, of talking course he was. we he had scored Ma- uh, mickey mantle deal. what's he gonna do right okay wait was it the aaron sanchez deal i think so i just remember that uh they were raving about the prospects of this guy and we said on this show that oh he, he's like our all of our other fourth outfielders like he's just throw, like, throw him he's in the pile fifth, he's not even a fourth. he's a fifth outfielder right. terrible so anyway, I blame it on him. I really do. Because from that point forward, as a Jays fan, I was nervous about this team. I didn't think I'm looking at the, and plus mm-hmm. Aaron judge comes back. Giancarlo Stanton comes back. Labor <laughs> Torres comes back. They got Voight. Oh my God. It's wow. murderers row <laughs> 2.0 or 2.0.0 or whatever you want. <laughs> 2.0. And that's a sick lineup. Every time you turn around, Oh my God, the number nine hitter. And we're, I'm looking at our team saying, come on. We're, you know, we've got, uh, we've got a couple of good hitters in the team, but our team is pretty young and inexperienced compared to what the Yankees have to offer. But here we are. How many games left? I mean, that's the strangest thing that feels like we're just starting to get going here and it's about to end. It's such a bizarre uh, here's what season. You got, you got yeah. four at Philadelphia uh, starting today, a double header and then single game Saturday, Sunday. And then next week you're uh, playing the Yankees four games in oh. Buffalo. Like that's going to make a difference. Like right. that's going to make it. Oh, got home. Well, we got home games. We got last at bat. Woohoo. It's the Yankees again. So there's four. If you can take one of those games, it would be great. And then they've got three uh, at home in Buffalo against Baltimore to finish the season. Their magic number is seven. Any combination of Jays wins and Tigers and Mariners losses equaling seven. Puts the Jays in the playoffs as likely the last wild card team. Oh, we're in good shape, right? Because we get that's I don't a know about good shape, but they just remember solid shape. 1987, of course. Yeah, Blue Jays <laughs> went 11 and two, entering the final seven games of the season. 11 and two. Tony Fernandez went down, broken elbow, slide by Bill Madlock. Ernie Witt went down, rib injury. 
think he, it was, I can't remember, a slide. I think he slid awkwardly or something. Two key guys. Yeah. Now, what do we got? We got uh, Greg Myers catching. And uh, Jeff DeWillis was the other catcher. No, Buck, Let me think Buck about Martinez was, was catching. No, no, Buck oh, was, gone. Oh, Buck was gone. He was gone. I think it was Buck. In 87. Yeah, it was Buck. I remember. No, 87, he was gone. I say no. I, I mean, I'll have to Google this while you're talking, but uh, I, I could... wait, wait, just hang on a second. Yeah. Are you questioning me on this? Because you is this like Scrabble or I mean, I don't. I think that's Buck's a word. there in '87. How can what I? What are be, we saying? Oh, I say Buck's there, but I, I, I am. You I'm, say it's Buck. And I'm challenging. Ernie. I'm challenging. Wait, wait, you wait, wait, wait. <laughs> you have the audacity to say that Buck Martinez was on that '87 team that collapsed, where Ernie broke his uh, ribs. Now you, you sound confident. I'm so uh, Buck was the one who was catching. You're saying down the stretch. Yeah, but now I'm backtracking because you sound no, so confident. No, it was Greg Myers. Okay, right. and I'm trying to think of the other guy. Oh, Charlie Moore. Oh man, I am. Uh, what what decade are you living in? Get, I, I, somebody I get me a co-host that knows the '87 Jays. Anyway, I was this watching. Is what it feels like, Mike. This is what it feels like. <laughs> like they're in. Everyone's going. Yeah, I know it's not winning the division, but people are like, yeah, they're in. They're gonna make the. They're gonna. We're gonna have postseason baseball. Yeah. <sighs> and now it's like, uh oh, match number seven. How the hell are we gonna get that? Oh man, like this. This team doesn't look like it could ever win another game. The pitching is horrible. It's like slow pitch. By the way, for Doesn't the record, matter who we throw it there. Julian Merriweather, <laughs> Ryan Barucki, Ken Giles is injured again. He threw seven pitches. Oh, my arm hurts again. Um, Chase Anderson last a home run, home run, home run, an out, home run, home run, five in an inning. Ay, vey, mere. For the record, I just want the <sighs> the world to know I'm I'm very wrong as usual, and Hebsey's correct. Uh, there, Buck was gone, and yeah, Jeff DeWillis, no, Charlie Moore, you know, uh, Greg Myers, nice. Greg Myers, and uh, and Charlie Moore. Yeah, Charlie Moore. And uh, earlier that year, they had Jeff DeWillis. Yeah, Matt they Stark. Matt Stark. <laughs> he had that uh, crew cut, right? I, I, I'm trying to, he looked like he came out of the Marines. Yeah, no, that 87 team, man, that was just seven games in a row they lost. Seven in a row. Manny Lee letting the short the ball go through his legs. He had, I think, and Fred Manrique was the second baseman on that team. Yeah, that. Yeah, just one note about that stretch that we we coughed, we lost. Actually, Garth Orge, no, Garth Orge would have no Manrique and Garth Orge would have played second base on that team. The Rance uh, was the third baseman. The MVP Kelly that Gruber. season uh, completely stopped hitting down the stretch. Like George oh Bell was terrible. George Bell was exhausted. He was. He I remember seeing him. He had lost like twenty pounds. He was thin. He was like a ghost. He had nothing left. He led the league that year. He had the MVP that year. 47 homers, 134 RBI, but down the stretch, man. Oh, you know who you're forgetting? Just Mike Sharperson. Mike Sharperson played second base on that team? I think so. How many games? Seven? Eight games? I think it was. <laughs> How many games? You got the, well, you got baseball reference there? All right, I'm calling it up. Yeah, this is important. Uh, 32, 32, podcast, 32 games. Here, please. 32 games. 32 games. Played 32 games? Okay. Yeah, okay. Continue. All right. So that's the Jay story. And uh, yeah, baseball not playing in a bubble, but they have announced that the, and this is interesting too, that the American League playoffs are going to take place in San Diego, oh. right? No home advantage for any team. And the National League playoffs are going to take place in Houston and Arlington, I believe. And so there's no advantage. So they're going to take, so it wouldn't be Houston. It would be, yeah, Houston's the American League, right? So it'd be Houston and Arlington, America. So National League playoffs take place in American League parks. And American League playoffs take place at Petco Park in San Diego. And I'm, is there another one? Is it Dodger Stadium as well? Hmm. I can't remember. Interesting. So that's going to be done in, in a, like a bubble type of thing for the playoffs because it worked so well for the NHL and the NBA. For sure. That's smart. Okay. Let's get to this. All right. Story here. Everybody's got the During popcorn ready. During a press conference. What's that, Mike? I said everybody's got their popcorn ready. I saw some gifts being tweeted at us earlier. People are very, very interested in your take on this uh, story. These are two very polarizing figures in the uh, Twitterverse and social media and sports world. Uh, during a press conference with Raptors president Masai Ujiri yesterday, Steve Simmons of the Toronto Sun, a controversial columnist for many years, asked a, uh, asked a roundabout question about the Raptors and the team's responsibility to address gun violence in the city of Toronto. So I'm going to quote, I'm not going to give you the entire thing, but I'm going to give you the quote here. I give you, I've given you context. This is a, uh, Steve is not there in the same room with Masai. He's asking a question from a remote location. Uh, and part, this is the question. Sh Masai, shootings in Toronto are up 
since you joined the Raptors. Death by gunfire is up over 180%. Is it time for you and the Raptors to get involved in more local issues to try and work with a city that has seen crime at a rate it's never seen before? That's the question. Okay. Now, I'm trying to think. It's a few minutes later. A tweet from Kayla Gray, um, the controversial, uh, very popular, uh, militant, uh, young, black, female sportscaster at TSN. Um, background here, this uh, woman called out Sherry Ford, the wife of Dwayne Ford, uh, the white wife of black Dwayne Ford, TSN commentator. Same company that Kayla Gray works for um, about an article Sherry Ford had written about her father, where she used the N word and actually wrote, uh, printed the word in its entirety, which offended Kayla Gray. And she went after Sherry Ford on Twitter. And we had discussed at the time that the right thing, the proper thing to do would have been to contact her privately and not quote unquote, air your dirty laundry. But this was a racial thing. And this was something she felt she needed to do. And her followers jumped aboard and it got pretty ugly and nasty and I didn't like it. Anyway, so Kayla Gray's response to the Steve Simmons question to Masai Ujiri. Uh, love a, quote, but what about black-on-black crime, unquote, question, disguised in, quote, should the Raptors not also focus on gun violence in our city, end quote. Now, that's not directly to Steve Simmons. That's just a tweet, but it's pretty obvious yeah. to me, and I think to everyone else, who she was referring to without mentioning his name. Right. Steve Simmons responds on Twitter. Do you have a hearing problem or a comprehension problem? But no question mark at the end of that statement. It's a statement. She should have a question mark at the end. Right. Come on, Steve. Uh, and then goes on to say, I asked Masai about crime in Toronto. The word black in quotations never came up nor did it come up doing the research for the question. Okay. So they're both wrong here. Yep. All right. One of the two of them or both of them have to be able to take a step back and decide not to go back at the other one on social media. This is an issue between the two of them. And really doesn't need to involve everyone else because if I didn't hear the, the question in the first place and I'm only reading the tweets and the, someone I'm following and I like says something, I'm pretty much going to, oh, I guess they must be right. I follow them. I like them. They must. And maybe I don't want the context or I'm angry enough because and, that person's angry. And you already hate Steve Simmons because that's that's really the thing to do in this market. It really is. It's unbelievable. It's amazing to me the number of people that just believe he's vile yeah yep yeah it's quite quite incredible polarizing may not be the right galvanizing polarizing anyway here's my take yes I want rather your take. than take a shot at a fellow journalist why not just either ask a question of your own you hey i don't like the question that toronto mike asked at the press conference fine go ahead and ask a question without giving toronto mike a shot and saying oh it's a stupid question or i don't like the question Ask your own well-thought-out, well-crafted question that elicits a response that you think your listeners, your viewers, are going to want to hear. Isn't that the idea? Why are you asking this guy questions? You're asking, what are you going to ask him? Softball questions? You got the guy. He's the president of the Toronto Raptors. He just was involved in a situation right? White versus black altercation in Oakland, California, Black Lives Matter. This guy has perspective beyond just being a basketball GM. So what I'm saying to you is if you have a chance to ask him a question, and it's not a question about the team and the same old stuff, but it's a broader question that, let's face it, if Masai Ujiri were to run for the mayor of the city of Toronto, what chance do you think he would have of gaining the, the the job seriously no very good chance Are you kidding me uh, he, uh, come on slammed up he checks all the boxes <laughs> this is a, an intelligent brilliant man who's brought a championship to the team a black man uh, an educated man an articulate man an erudite man a man that people look up to a Respect. mentor come on this this guy this this guy could be 
he could run for prime minister of Canada. Agreed. Say, I'm taking Canadian citizenship, and we would all say, man, beautiful, right? So you got to give him the benefit of the doubt here. But at the same time, if, you, if you're looking at a, a, a certain angle for a story, and you've got to ask the tough questions or the questions that, you know, require a bit of thought, is this the right forum to do it? And if you don't think it's the right forum to do it, should you call out the, the journalist that's asking the question? That's the point. Or do you contact them directly and say, and I know that's no drama in that, like nobody knows, but you know, once you go out in social media, your followers go, yeah, they start carrying the torch for you, so to speak. Okay. And when I say carrying the torch, take it easy. All right. Oh, I never thought of that. Expression. I never thought of that. Okay. Oh yeah. Because I just want to frame this properly here. All right. Now, Steve comes back to it. Do you have a hearing problem or a comprehension problem? Well, that's that's not nice. I agree. But what Kayla said was not nice either. Even though she didn't name Steve. She basically said, you're a journalist. I don't like the question you asked. It's a stupid question. It's a bad question. It's a misleading question. It's an improper question. I don't know. Is it? Okay, Hebsey, I want to chime in here real quick here. To say, uh, do... My issue with this is, would Steve Simmons have asked that question to Brendan Shanahan or Mark Shapiro? I can't say. See, but if, but if Steve Simmons thought that Masai Ujiri and the Toronto Raptors would have a bigger impact going into the communities in Toronto where gun violence is prevalent, showing their faces and, say, you know, and, and being, being there to honestly... Uh, tell their stories, give their opinions, answer any questions, and try to, you know, uh, find a way to reduce gun violence more so than Brendan Shanahan and the Toronto Maple Leafs? You draw your own conclusions. Is that being racist? Okay. Like, was that a racist question by Steve Simmons? That's a very... Tell me honestly. That's a loaded word. I... I I feel uncomfortable with Steve Simmons asking that question of Masai Ujiri. I'm uncomfortable with it because although, and this is what my issue, and I'm not get, letting Kayla off scot-free here because I think when you're a, you know, a journalist with TSN and you tweet and you put things in quotes, okay? My issue with Kayla is she goes, love a, and then she puts in quotes, but what about black on black crime? I'm not, I don't think it's fair to put, the, to put those words in Steve Simmons' mouth with quotes Correct. around them. Steve, Steve's never asked about black on No, and, and that's why he was so defensive. makes it seem as if right. that's a direct quote from Steve Simmons. He never said it. So I don't like that. I personally don't like that move by Kayla to just to publicly put in quotes something that you're reading into a question but is not actually a quote. Like, don't use the quotes if it's not a quote. It's improper as a journalist. Right, because most people who see the tweet are never going to listen to the source material. Like Correct. 99%. It's all I mean, about the headline. You and you I will, it. but most people are not going to actually listen to it. They're going to see Kayla's tweet and go, oh, it's, of course it's Simmons again. What a piece of trash. Like, uh, of course. Now, I just, but I want to say, so I get though, exact, I get what Kayla is responding to because it doesn't smell right to me. It, it, it has what I would call racist undertones to it. I'm not here to say Steve Simmons is a racist, okay? I'm here oh, to he's say. he's not. Right, but and I'm not he, here to say look, that. I, because, I, look, he Steve Simmons may be a lot of things, but he is not a racist. Right. But and the mere suggestion yeah. that he is or the question was a racist question. Now you're really getting into a and I hate to use the expression gray area here. It really is. <laughs> no pun intended. Uh, yeah, you know, come on now. Do we do we look at the background of the person that's asking the question? We go deep, deep, deep to find out what their issues are and then make a determination that the question was perfectly fair? And do we go to the other person who's uh, upset with this person and go through all the layers of their life and how they arrived at this moment that they're that upset that they would call the person out on social media? Uh, you know, do we need to know all those things? Or is this just basically, this is journalism. If you're a journalist or you claim to be a journalist, at least, you know, follow the journalistic guidelines. Is asking that question uh, a fair question from a journalist standpoint? But 
I don't believe Steve would ask that question of Brendan Shanahan or. But that's got uh, nothing Pyro. to do with it. You see, you're. But it's got everything to do because the Raptors are predominantly. But the players on the Raptors, Raptors are predominantly black, and Masai Ujiri is black. Uh, whereas the players. Ooh, how about this? Yeah. What if you would have asked the same question to Bob Babcock, or who is the other GM, the the white GM? Um, but he didn't. Colangelo. Colangelo. So, so I'm here to say I don't like either side on this one, okay? And I'm here to say I agree with you uh, in the past when you mentioned when Kayla goes straight to – and again, personally, I've met Kayla. I quite liked my time with Kayla, and I respect Kayla Gray and her perspectives. But, what about Steve Simmons? Oh, say yes. Uh, yeah, so of course. And uh, I've said this many well, you times. you have to say that too. I know. Mike, you have to I say know. that you've had, you like Steve Simmons. You've I had also Steve Simmons like, on, I've had him on, he's been over several times and I, I like Steve Simmons as well. I don't like this question uh, to Masai Ujiri. I don't, I don't like the undertones to it, but I don't like Kayla Gray putting, but what about black on black crime into Steve Simmons mouth for her many, many uh, Twitter followers who are very passionate on these topics. Uh, and again, with Sherry Ford, who t- I, I believe it took a lot of uh, courage and uh, uh, for her to put that piece together and share it. And I think it was uh, overwhelmingly uh, well-received at the time. And then when Kayla Gray, uh, who w- w- well within her rights as a black woman to be triggered by a white woman typing out the N-word, uh, mm-hmm. I wish, I do wish in my heart of hearts that she had sent an email or a Facebook message or a Twitter DM or something to Sherry Ford to say, Hi, just so you know, uh, I don't think it's appropriate for you as a white woman to write out that name and then give Sherry the opportunity to edit the piece to put the asterisks in, which he eventually did. Because I think the pub- going public with it on Twitter right away, it takes away all the good from the piece Sherry Ford wrote. And uh, I-, I feel bad for Sherry, to be quite honest with you on that regard. So I think Kayla's quick to go public on Twitter with things that aren't always necessarily uh, something you want to, that should be aired in that uh, forum. But right. she's well within her but, rights to have these uh, perspectives as a black woman. And I, I, I totally understand why she was she, triggered by Steve Simmons' question to Miss It just seems to me she appears to be overly angry all the time on Twitter. Uh, it's just, uh, it's, you know, I mean, that's, to me, it's not nitpicking, but if you've got an issue, take it up with the person individually. Once you go public, you're basically saying, all right, I'm going to get all my supporters to believe in me. I'm going to get all my followers to support me on this issue, which I am now bringing up. Well, she carries a lot. Personal because, issue with me. Yeah. I don't like that. And I'm going on Twitter to tell everybody that I don't like what that guy said. The thing of Kayla, me, though. It's about my feelings, right. not your feelings, or some or perceived to be other people's feelings. You're speaking on your behalf, or are you speaking for all your followers too by saying, I don't like that, and I think Steve Simmons is wrong to ask that question, and I'm going to use quotations that make it seem <clears throat> to my followers when they read this post that Steve Simmons said those things. Uh, in a related note that kind of might come into play here a bit is that c- can you, Mark Hebshire, I know you follow Canadian sports media closely. We talk about it often, but can you name another black woman in Canadian sports media that you know of, I should say. In Canadian sports media? Right. Another black I woman. You know, I haven't really thought about... Well, I did some thinking on it. Color, whatever. I do. Well, you know, I live in, I live in right. the real world here, and I, I see and I hear these things, uh, and I, I can't name another one. And I feel like Kayla does t- un- unfairly has to kind of almost assume the role of, like, spokesperson for black women in sports media because she's a, she's a, a unicorn, like we simply are not very diverse in that regard in this country. Uh, so I guess what okay. I'm saying is, so I think I think so, that. So oh, let me ask you a question. Yeah. So, who was the first black sportscaster in Canada? I don't know off the top of my head. Uh, yeah, and did, was it a big deal? Was it Jackie Robinson? You know, like was that? No, no, no one's saying this. You made about it. Like, but it you know, it's you were the first. <clears throat> who's the first Jewish sportscaster in this country? But have you will admit that? How about the that, first? Wait a second. How but, about the first um, Pakistani or Indian? Well, I'm not saying person we, we erect color. a statue of Ka- Kayla Gray, but it, but to be the anchor? only one. We're in talking this about news country. anchor, sports anchor. What exactly are we talking about? You don't so, think it's yeah, significant that there's one every in this whole milestone? Country. Yeah. In broadcasting history. 
And does this, where does this fall? And how important is it? I think you're missing my point. My point is uh, she's literally the only human being in this country who has the perspective of being a black a woman uh, sports personnel, media personality. Right. So I think I think that does tie into like why she sort of uh, why she is more outspoken on these topics because she's carrying a lot of weight on those shoulders. I feel uh, self-inflicted. Maybe, but maybe she feels that responsibility. Like maybe she feels the weight of the responsibility of representing. Like how many black women are this in this country, and she's know. the one who's I, on. I don't know. I don't know. Does okay. she wake up every single morning and say, "I am a black woman. I'm the only black woman that's on sports television." In oh, but she's aware of it. Like whether she no, thinks I, it when again, she first I, I wakes up. Like she always is aware of that. But okay, I'm just, I'm just. Uh, I know. Sharing with just you. Going on. Let's get We're on with chatting. some other stuff. Okay, but uh, but to conclude <laughs> here, solve anything. So we don't know because this is an ugly little uh, Twitter spat and we can't solve anything. Yeah. But I, I don't like Steve Simmons' question to Masai Ujiri. I think there is. But here's the thing, Mike. Yeah. Uh, you would have never heard that question back in the day. I just, you know what I mean? Right, before Twitter. Do you, is it important that you hear the The other thing is this, is that a lot of times when a question is being asked, okay, just because it's being recorded, if, if, a, if a writer sat down with, if Steve Simmons sat down with Masai Ujiri, Mm-hmm. And the only recording device was Steve Simmons' recording device so that he could get the quotes correct from Masai. Right. You know what I'm saying? And he goes to ask him a question. He can ask that. He can, it could be a two-minute rambling question. It doesn't matter because that question is not part of the, of the, the story. It's the response he's trying to elicit from Masai Ujiri. See what I mean? So a lot of times the question is not relevant Okay. He's trying to get him to say it. But since you're listening to the entire press conference, you hear the question, you hear who it's by, and your blood starts to boil immediately. I don't think we would we would have liked that question if it had come from any other uh, white uh, journalist in this city. You know, because I am a... You, and I, the other I, thing yeah. was, did Masai Ujiri say, what kind of a question is that? And get pissed oh, no, at it? Classy or guy. did he answer the question? In his, you, know, you know, I didn't and, see the answer. Like, the clips that floated yeah. around didn't have the so answer. It all the it. question. He didn't, yeah, he didn't, <laughs> he didn't go nuts on Steve. I, he, didn't, I, he didn't pull an Austin Matthews and say, I'm not going to answer your question. Right, right. So now, he's a, anyway. he's a classy guy. Now, we are moving on. But uh, just to say that uh, Steve Simmons is well aware that people are listening, recording, and will share the question. So like he, it's not like he thinks he's having a private chat with Masai, right? he cares? So, but do you think he cares? Well, clearly not. recording his question? Well, just it's got nothing to do with it. It's not like he he's thought. He's there as a print reporter asking a question, not a broadcast reporter. And that's the question, question he chose to ask. In the story. Okay. 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 Big difference. Okay. And I know because I've been in media for years, Mike. That's the way it works. Okay. He's not thinking like a broadcaster. This is, is this being recorded? You got my, huh? He's asking a question to try to get an answer like a writer would scribbling notes on his pad. And before we move on, because there's lots more to cover here, uh, you you uh, think it's a fair question for Steve Simmons to ask that of Musai Ujiri yesterday. You know what? Sometimes the most difficult questions are the uncomfortable ones that nobody else wants to ask. You've got a story to do and your angle of the story is not a popular angle about the success of the team and how Pascal Siakam made the second all-star team or whatever. Your angle to the story is, look, this is a Toronto newspaper, Toronto story. Uh, my angle at this point is, hey, Masai, you've got a lot of pull. You've got a lot of influence. And, and my angle to the story is I'm wondering if Masai Ujiri and the Toronto Raptors will go out into the community as other teams have, right, since Black Lives Matter <clears throat> and gone out and actually done something. But if, if that's his angle, perfectly legit question. You don't like the question? Yeah, it's okay. He'd never ask it of Brendan Shanahan, never. Man, apples and oranges. Such a difference. I can't even believe you would bring that up. Let's well, that, first that speaks talk about to the Kayla Gray black on black. Uh, would reference. he have asked, would a white reporter, have, would a black reporter have asked that question of Masai Ujiri? Would a white reporter have asked that question of Bob Babcock or Brian Colangelo? Come on. If, if, if. Was that Babcock? I think it was Rob Babcock. Rob. Rob Babcock, whatever. Okay. <laughs> I know. I just can't get her back. Let's go to the NBA while we're All right, about let's it. go let's to the NBA. Let's talk about Jamal Murray. Woo! And the Nuggets who outlasted Kawhi. Tell me that wasn't a great feeling. Yeah, Kawhi so fantastic. Down. Kawhi going down. Him and Paul George combined for an 0 for 11 in the fourth. You remember how all Toronto fans were hollishing? Kawhi, please, hey, please, please, please. Is that Yiddish? Hollishing? He gets, man, him and, yeah, hollishing. 
dying, dying to have. We would have done anything as a city. We would have we would have sold our soul to the devil for Kawhi Leonard to resign here. He mm -hmm. goes home, and he doesn't go any further than the Raptor team he left. What a shame. <laughs> he sticks around here. Raptors have knocked off Boston, Miami, whatever. They're going to the, their final. But nope. Instead, man, he runs into the West, and guess what? Denver, down three games to one. And, and listen to this. Which was the bigger choke job? Everyone was talking about Pascal Siakam choked. He choked in the playoffs. He did nothing. What about Kawhi? Was Kawhi's choke bigger than Pascal's? I think so. Because they were expected to go a lot further than the Raptors. The Raptors were not expected. Mike, at the beginning of the year, I told you this. Mm -hmm. Everyone said, oh, seventh or eighth. And I said, I think they're good enough to be third or fourth. Top top uh, bracket, right? Home court advantage. Yes, you did. I said third or fourth. And they ended up second. in the. Th th but even then, I don't think people expected a lot, right? They were so surprised by their performance in the regular season that suddenly people went, oh, maybe we can go all the way this year. And when, and when Pascal Siakam was the poster boy, unfortunately, in social media for the Raptors' woes, and let's face it, he, he was awful. Every time he put the ball oh, down yeah. on the floor, he turned it over. He made bad decisions. He, yeah. he, he obviously had real problems in that bubble. But, geez, what's Kawhi's excuse? The guy was well-rested. You know, he had his, what, what do they call it, uh, downtime? What did they call that last year? Oh, uh, uh Oh, the days of load those, management. Load management. Yes. How do so we had forget? His load management. He's fresh as a daisy, and still they choke and gag him and Paul George choke and uh -huh. gag on Denver and and the fantastic, amazing Jamal Murray from Kitchener, Ontario. Beautiful. Who and with all due respect to anyone that said that Alfonso Davies should automatically be given Athlete of the Year in Canada for his performance with Byron Music in the Champions League title game and, and throughout the season, he was amazing. How can you discount the performance of Jamal Murray, even if they lose to the Lakers in the Western final? Who puts up 250 in a 40-point game? Who does that? 23-year-old. Unbelievable. 22-year-old? Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Uh, and think about how the Clippers, like, imagine me, a Clippers fan. Like, they may mortgage their future. Like, if you look at that deal for Paul George. They got so one more year with those guys. That's it. Unbelievable. There is no you, if you don't have chemistry next year and you don't have a full 82-game schedule with home games and whatever, they're both gone. And if both you, of them gone. Kawhi comes back to Toronto. <laughs> you think so? <laughs> oh, to play with Giannis. Okay, that's perfect. Okay. Now, uh, Hebsey, though, like, like, like that deal. So I guess, I guess Kawhi says, uh, if you want me, I want Paul George. And then that trade for Paul George, if you look at that trade. Oh, my God. Five first-round picks for Oklahoma City. Unbelievable. Two swaps. I think a total of seven top draft picks. Like you're and and a couple of pretty good players. Like Clippers. Oh my god. And I I mean they they were up three one. Like so Kawhi Leonard's led team was up three one, and they unbelievable done the same thing to Utah. They were down three one to Utah, and they came back and beat them. And yeah, Matt, you're right. Um, Nikolai Jokic yeah. is amazing. What a great player he is, and Murray yeah. and but, Paul Millsap. They got a good team. My son, again, my residential NBA expert, says the, the Lakers are going to have a very easy time beating these Nuggets. But I say, let's play these games and see. Let's, let's find out. But uh, Never know. What if the Lakers go up 3-1 on the Nuggets? Are people going to go? <laughs> I guess they're going to wipe them out. I mean, right. well, the coach for the Nuggets, a Brendan Malone's son, Mike yeah, Malone, right. he says, why don't we just start this series off with the Lakers with them up 3-1? <laughs> That's when we're most comfortable. It was a great clip. That is great. That's great. One more great thing uh, is that they said uh, Kawhi thought he needed a doc, but what he really needed was a nurse. Yeah, that's a good one. Uh, yesterday, the Miami Heat went up two love on the struggling Boston Celtics, a 106-101 win in the Eastern Conference Final. Miami outscored the Celtics 37-17 in the third quarter and held on for the win. And after the game, Boston's Marcus Smart, who's a bit of an agitator, mm -hmm. a bit of a controversial character, uh, could be heard yelling and screaming in the Celtics locker room, uh, dropping F-bombs asunder. Uh, it looks like this team could be coming unglued, and this might be the wake-up call for them. You know, sometimes down two games to none, okay. Boom, let's let's get our act together again. We can still win this series. Let's do something. I don't know. To, to borrow a line from the aforementioned Masai Ujiri, uh, fuck Marcus Smart. Hate that guy. You do, eh? Really? Did, any, did you see his tweets after the uh, Game 7 win for the Celtics about how he's king of the North and all this? But all that, yeah. just just his, his, his whole behavior, he's kind of like uh, Sean Avery or Joel something? What would I, yeah, he's, well, he's, he's, yeah, well, he's a, 
I know you mentioned agitator. That's exactly what he is, but he's a pesky agitator and uh, fuck him. We love guys like that. We wish we had guys like that on our team, right? Because he shot the lights out. He beat us single-handedly in that one game. That's SOB. Okay. Tampa Bay Lightning, Dallas Stars, Stanley Cup playoffs. I th- I'm pretty sure they're going to play like seven games in seven days. <laughs> There's like no rest. They're in the Edmonton bubble already. <laughs> They've been there for 54 days, John. John, I tell you, John Cooper is one of the coolest coaches in any sport. He always looks, he's well-dressed. The tie's done right. He's very even-tempered. It seems like he just seems like, and I've met him. He, he is like, he seems like the nicest, most calm guy. And here he is going, well, you know, we've been 54 days in a bubble and da-da-da-da, some injury issues and Stamkos and whatever. So they won, you know, they won last night mm-hmm. in overtime. And um, for the first time, I guess, ever, they actually touched the Prince of Wales trophy because this this bullshit, you know, thing of, you know, don't touch the Prince of Wales for your jinx the Stanley Cup. Yeah. Uh, somebody finally says, are you nuts? You really think that makes a difference no it's gonna be a jinx if we touch it let's touch it let's embrace it let's carry it Mm -hmm. it's the second greatest trophy in hockey so yeah i'm glad like that's an i hate those superstitions like that just nonsense steve stamkos uh lower body injury um hasn't played since february his last game was against the leafs back in february and people forget he had like 67 points in 57 games or something he was right and the poor guy. But you know what? Steve Stamkos is 30 years old. Woo. He's been playing. It's 12 years in the league. He's no spring chicken anymore. He's often and injured. He's I feel like he's been hurt a lot. Oft like, injured. Yeah. Not good. Anyway, he was there for the presentation, which was pretty cool. Who do you like for the cup? Dallas or Tampa? I'm going with, uh, I'm going with Tampa Bay for the cup. I'm going with Dallas. I like Rick Bonus, who took over from Jim Montgomery. Coaching change early in the year. Montgomery had some issues. Not unlike, not the same issues, I don't believe, but not unlike the St. Louis Blues last year where Craig Berube took over for Mike Yo. Team just wasn't playing for Mike Yo. Dallas really wasn't playing for Jim Montgomery and there were some issues on but, the team. But we actually don't know those issues, right? Like they never disclosed it, right? <clears throat> I think it was alcohol. Is that a good source? <laughs> I, I actually don't know. I have no I, idea. I think, okay. I don't know for I, a fact, know. but it know. seemed to me that the, it seemed pointing that where he needed to go away and get his life together okay 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 um so dallas yeah, would be a big story Sorelli in overtime last night this is similar like two years in a row to have a, a stanley cup champion that seemingly comes out of nowhere that's uh that, you like that well you it's see a dynasty no i mean you want to see crosby still back again i have to admit crosby like i do like the like i'm i find like like Connor i would mcdavid be, would you like to see Connor mcdavid maybe one of these days in the playoffs I would, i'd like to see the best players play Right. Yes. Right. 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 Uh, I do like to see the stars. And these guys are. I mean, my, my uh, Tyler Sagan. Yeah. Right. Yeah, that's a big guy. Yeah. Uh, Jamie Ben. Right. Right. These guys have been around. Uh, you know, they're these are good hockey players. Should be. Uh, you know, but, they play for Dallas. We don't get to see their games that often. So are you going to watch? Because I don't know how much hockey you've been watching. Well, wait a sec. Let's not get crazy. <laughs> it depends. What else is? Go- it depends. What else is going on when the games are on? That's the other thing. Well, there's always Blue Jays. Not used to watching hockey at this time of year. This is more football season than baseball season. Am I right? Correct. <laughs> All right. Uh, we'll get to the U.S. Open golf in a second. First, a word about my favorite golf course in the world, Crossman's Golf and Country Club in Burlington. And the colors aren't yet changing, but you can see that it's like it's soon. Like that You're going to wake up one day and you go, oh, my God, look at the golds and the reds and whatever. And I'm, I'm playing Crosswinds on Monday. I'm really, I'm looking forward to, I think it's a bit early down here in Southern Ontario. I was up North last weekend and they're just starting, just starting to change. We were up Pembroke, up Ottawa way, um, up not far from Algonquin park, some trees. Yes, but not quite, but in the fall golf is beautiful Yes, uh, at Crosswinds because of the, the changing of the colors. Yeah, it's a, some people take road trips just to see these uh, beautiful, uh, beautiful oh, colors. Yeah. Fantastic. Quite spectacular. Um, so if you want to play great golf on a gorgeous course with million-dollar views in the fall especially, I mean, Mount Nemo and the Rattlesnake Point, you're right in amongst the Niagara Escarpment. It's quite lovely. Check out Crosswinds Golf at crosswindsgolf.com. Tell them Hebsey sent you. Uh, you can get 18 holes in in less than four and a half hours. Um, course is always in great condition and the people there are so friendly and so accommodating because they want you to come back they want you to tell your friends that you had a good time at crosswinds 
Sounds beautiful. Now, the U.S. Open is being played at, I would say, the diametrically opposed to crosswinds when it comes to um, just, it's brutal. Okay, it's called Winged Foot. It's in uh, New York, suburb of New York. And uh, Winged Foot is the iconic symbol of the Newark Athletic Club. It's a foot with a wing on it. You've seen it before. Right. And when this course opened in the early 1900s, it was the members of the New York Athletic Club that started it. Very exclusive club, and it still is. Tillinghast designed, one of, I believe his last design. And when they let the rough grow to like six inches, you could lose a small animal in there, much less a golf ball. And it's wild watching these guys try to hack it out of there. And the greens are like lightning, like bikini wax, <laughs> like putting on your driveway. Yes, Nevertheless, a bunch of guys way under par here. The uh, conditions were rather benign. It wasn't windy at all. And um, instead of the course bringing the players to its knees, it was almost the other way around. There were a couple of holes in one. Uh, some pretty low scores. Minus five was the top score put in by Justin How's Thomas. How's uh, Tiger Larry. doing? Tiger, not good. Uh, looked good for a while. Uh, faltered late, finished at three over par. He good for a tie for 67th as he goes out to play his second round. Uh, today, a lot of guys on the course right now, so I'm not going to give you like a live update. doesn't really matter, but right. it's four rounds of this, man. It's, it's it, the winner. It's by attrition. I mean, you think it was tough today or tomorrow. They changed the pin positions. By Sunday, it's going to be like, oh. Like a brute, a brute. So when you hear guys go, oh, it was fun out there. It wasn't fun. <laughs> it's brutal. It's hard. I, I'm sure I, there's no way could I break a hundred on that course playing from the front tees. No way. <clears throat> I think you could. <laughs> You've been practicing. <laughs> oh man, I'm telling you, it's just, when you look at the pros putting up an 80, these are professional golfers right. putting up like 80, 79, 80. There's no way. There's no way. I'm for sure at least one shot less than them on every hole. Right? Maybe, maybe mm-hmm. I could bogey all the par threes. Like that's that's if I got it on the green and three putted. Right. <laughs> I don't even know if I could three putt those greens. I feel like they should let somebody like yourself, like a just a regular recreational player, play each right. ma- each major, so we can compare like a regular golfer to these guys and have some sense of context there, you know, some perspective on how good these guys are. I can tell you this for a fact from their tees, I would, it'd be unlikely that I could reach most of the fairways, just the, the first part of the fairway. Right, right, right. It's probably a 200 plus yard carry on a lot of these tees just in the fairway. And these guys hit it three, three fifty, whatever. Well, it's too bad so, Tiger's yeah, faltering there because uh, Tiger, you know, for better or worse, Tiger brings in the people like me. Like, uh, no, they would have all come anyway without Tiger. For no, the U.S. I, Open, it's big. Yeah, okay. Oh, you mean but, to watch? But, yeah, to watch. I'm talking. Oh not, yeah, I'm not TV, talking oh, golf. for yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah, the yeah. ratings are always like, better when Tiger's playing. If I hear always. Tiger's in the hunt, I will actually make a point to watch on a Sunday. And if Tiger's not in the hunt, uh, I got to be pretty bored to tune in. Uh, Everybody golf is hoping the Tiger makes the 36 hole cut. He's got to right. go pretty low today. He's like I said, tied for 67th. I think it's top 70 in ties. Get through to the next uh, to the weekend. Okay, uh, Mike. I've heard this expression spewed out by too many sportscasters lately. And I tweeted out my dissatisfaction with the expression, quote, they punched their ticket to the next round. <laughs> Anything to do with punching your ticket, which becomes only at this time of year, only at the time of year when teams are about to be eliminated or are going to advance to the next round of the playoffs, right. they've punched their ticket. It's never used during the regular season. It never, ever <laughs> during a regular season game do you hear somebody go, well, they've punched their ticket to Philadelphia this weekend for the series. No, right. that was already scheduled. Right. But I wonder how many people, when they say this, and it's a hack, lazy expression for sportscasters. And you've heard it, Mike. You've heard it millions of times, sure. Mike. Sure. What's it mean? What? what but, oh, what does it mean? Oh. And then, yeah, yeah. They punched their ticket. Uh, I would guess it had to do with when you finished your shift, your nine to five, when you were leaving. Because I'm old enough to remember when this, you had, you had a card you'd push into the machine to, to clock you out. Like 504, you punch it out. I'm guessing, and then what you advance and then to? You the you next basically advance to the bar for your uh, for happy for yeah for for drinks. So they the punch their time clock so that they could go to the bar and you, well, face Las Vegas or Dallas like, in the next round. Yeah, well, well, what did you Google it or no. whatever? No, we don't know. Okay, so no, I know what it means. 
Okay. It's an older expression. It's if you happen to be on a train or a bus or whatever, okay. you know, and you've got your train ticket or bus ticket, the, the conductor comes along and literally right. with a, with a paper punch punches it. Right. And it allows you to move on to the, your next destination. Like okay. it allowed, it's advanced to, you know, <laughs> yes, you can now take the next leg of this trip. How would you, Mr. Sports Broadcaster, how would you uh, state? I wouldn't. That's just it. I wouldn't try to come up with something for punched your ticket. I might say something simple like, well, they're, they've advanced to play Las Vegas in the finals. Okay. No Why cliches. do I need to, you know, and, and again, but I hear it too often. It's lazy. Come on. And it bothers you. The I don't one. think, uh, I don't think the average fan uh, is bothered by uh, an announcer saying they punched well, their ticket. Okay. As a former sports Is there any others? Uh, let me, give me the list. Come up I'm, with uh... something more original, please. Or, you know, come on. <laughs> but you have an opportunity to write and produce your own um, script. If you don't like it, if, a, if some producer wrote it in there and copied and pasted it, well, it's a good expression for if a team advances, <laughs> you have the opportunity as the anchor, the person reading it to say, no, I don't like that expression. I want something else. Right. Why not? Come on. It's lazy. It's as lazy as when a team is on the brink of elimination right. or someone says they're going to try to stave off elimination. Right. Who have you ever heard use the word stave? In any other sentence, <laughs> in any other situation, as they use the word stave. stave. Correct. I've never as heard it, it. The only time is it trying to stave off elimination. They're down three games to one. They're trying to blank elimination. Stave off. Come on. That's an expression. I, I, you're right. I've only heard it Brink in sports. Brink of elimination. Why not the brow of elimination? Why not the precipice of elimination? On the brink. On the brink. Okay. I mean, I, I, I would say, I used to say stuff like, you know, they're on the verge of exclusion. Oh, wow. And the only reason I used on the verge was because it was a tragically hip song from 1991 from Road Apples. Oh, I right. swear I'm on, on the verge. <laughs> now that works. You know, the, the, the Leafs are on the verge of going out in the first round again. Right. That, that works. It's okay. Verge is a word you can use. I'm on the verge of going crazy. I'm on the verge of leaving my home for the first time. I'm on the verge of getting on an airplane for the first time. That's okay. an express that works. Here's an expression I've only ever heard in the context of sports and I've never heard it outside of sports. Uh, they're off the schneid. Oh, that's a beaut. Yeah. I, what, what, I hear sh schneid is a word. I've never yeah, heard it outside of sports. Can I give sports. you the background? Okay, please. All right. Uh, in certain card games, uh, being schneidered means you're basically being uh, shut out. You have to reach a certain number. If the game's to 1,000 and you don't get 100, okay. you get Schneidered, which is an extra 50 points or however the game works. Okay. Now, I don't know where the person Schneider came from. I think it's cool. That's where it comes from. It's called being Schneidered. Gotcha. And there's certain games. Is that like being Euchred? A lot of them, I think, are Eastern European games where it's like you just got mm -hmm. Schneidered. Gotcha. Right. Now, is there an expression in Euchre or any of these other games where you, when you wipe somebody right out and they don't even get any points? Yeah, you've been Euchred. Is there stuff like that? You get extra points if you blank somebody or if you hold them to under a certain number. Like a mercy rule, but you get paid for it. Anyway, it's called Schneidered. You got Schneidered. And I think Chris Berman probably, when he got off the Schneid, man, he got off the goose egg. He, he finally did something. He scored a point. So being Schneider is like being shut out, being blank, being goosed. You get, you know, there you go. Gotcha. Gotcha. Good context. Off the Schneid. Good okay. stuff. But stave. <laughs> Name me one other person that's ever used the word stave except for stave off, trying to stay off. We're, Hi, Bill. How's it going? Oh, believe me. We're trying to stave off elimination. No. No, never heard it. Uh, have I ever used a cliche? Of course I have. Of course it, it happens, right? You can't help it. That's why they're called cliches. They're so used. But, but it's, it's just, it's lazy and it's not well thought out. And I try to avoid them if I can. And especially if I was writing the script myself, right. I'd make a point to not use a cliche, right? Gotcha, man. For sure. Bob's your uncle. Come up with something original. <laughs> that was a band, a band out of Vancouver. Too. There was a band out of Vancouver called Bob's Your Uncle. With, uh, I know. Okay, go ahead. I know. Um, some dumb rules in sports. I noticed the other night in the Las Vegas Golden Knights game in overtime, one of their defensemen inadvertently flipped the puck over the boards. He, he really didn't flip it over the boards. It, it ended up going over the glass. But the rule is the referees, the officials have no discretion on this. It is automatically a penalty for delay of game. Right. The same way that if you hit your tennis ball and it hits an official or hits someone, you are automatically 
there is no discretion, automatically disqualified. And so I think we need to look at rules such as this. I think everyone admitted that when that happened in the Vegas game, especially because it was in overtime and led to the game-winning goal, that in that situation, most referees that I, I think Paul Stewart, Kerry Fraser, there were some other ones that were online saying, you know, if I had the discretion, I would have not have called a penalty on that play. But I don't have the discretion. It's a hard and fast rule. The rule should be changed where the officials have discretion because ultimately it's up to the officials. They're the ones on the ice. They're the ones who feel the play. They can put it in context. And if you just arbitrarily say automatically, no matter when, no matter what, whether it's inadvertent or not, it doesn't matter. That goes in. I, I don't like that. I know that you can't measure intent. I know that you can't categorically say that you don't know for certain that he did not intend to flip that puck over the boards in order to relieve the pressure. That can't be done. You can't measure intent in someone's mind. Right. But right. in that case there, I think if the officials gathered together and said, okay, the puck's over the boards, we've got a stoppage in play. Is that a penalty? And if the officials agreed that it is not a penalty, they should have be able to have the authority to, no, no that's not a penalty. Now, Hepsi, I will say that uh, the fact that it, it's out of the referee's hand and there is no discretion and that it's a zero tolerance, if you will, actually is the fairest affair. Like, at least at that point. I know what you mean because like you want to get knows the call the right. Same. And the easiest right. thing is if the puck goes over the glass, the automatic call, there's no disputing it. The call is correct. And everybody knows it. And uh, I feel like once you have an opportunity for refs to get together and was there intent or whatever, now, like to me now, uh, it's less fair. Like, I feel the fairest affair is just have a, it's the same rule for both teams. And when it happens, you have no one to blame but yourself because that, you knew the rule going into the game. So it does, okay. so it doesn't matter. And then it's always about which, like, you know, if you're rooting for the team, like a team and it goes against them, it, it feels like a bad rule. But uh, right. meanwhile, it could go in your favor. And at least if it's, it's black and white, it's uh, as fair as can be. Okay. Another thing I was thinking of was, and, and I'll, you're right. Good point there. Um, <laughs> Still, it's it's unfortunate what happened to Vegas. Is it a reason they sure. lost the series? No, it's not. Uh, and you're right. You know, it's a penalty for everybody. Everybody knows it's a penalty. But I kind of I, I'd like to see in that in certain cases like that, the officials having more discretion. Here's what I really don't like. And I've been watching a lot of tennis. Mm -hmm. I don't like the fact if I'm playing tennis, the last thing I want to think of is how many challenges do I have left? What does my mother think? Should I make that call? Should I not make that call? <laughs> And if I'm a coach in hockey or basketball or, or a manager in baseball or a coach in football, why the f am I thinking about how many challenges, whether that was in or not the rule, I'm trying to win a football game. And I don't think it's right, for example, for a tennis player who's thinking, do I go wide in the ad court here in, to go, should I challenge, should I not challenge? That shouldn't be part of the 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 mindset or the repertoire of the player. The player is responsible for hitting that tennis ball and thinking of the game out, not responsible for how many challenges should I take a challenge? Shouldn't I take a challenge? Here's why mm -hmm. the call should be made in advance by the Hawkeye system or whatever it is. The player shouldn't go, wait a minute. I think that I want to challenge that. It should be immediate. Right. Bip, the call is in. Bip, the call is out. And so you can continue on with the game. And the same with baseball. Don't wait for the challenge. Get it right. Get it right. So if the ump goes like this and they go up to the umpire in the sky and the ump in the sky re rewinds the tape, looks it over and goes, Bleh, call overturned. Let's do it. But it shouldn't be up to the managers or the coaches or the players to have this shit in their mind while the game's going on. It never was like that before, Mike. A right. baseball manager never had to think. Do I challenge this call? How many challenges do I have left? What if I lose the challenge? A football coach never had to think. Do I throw the challenge flag? I got one left. It's late in the game. The situation. No, this should have nothing to do with the game. I, I got to say, I'm with you on the fact that if your technology tells you that uh, the ump or the ref or whatever, whoever it is, uh, blew a call, and your technology right away tells you that's the wrong call, like an, a, in tennis, like an out call or whatever. Yeah. Tennis is the best example. Yeah, right? tennis is a great example. Oh my God. Get it right. Like, like don't, don't wait for a challenge to, like, like you, there should be some lighting system for the ump that says, uh, nope, like, like, like get it right. Well, they did. They have it. The Hawkeye did it for the, um, the, the tournament prior to the U.S. Open, okay. the Western and Southern Open, Yeah, which like, is normally in Cincinnati, but it took place uh, in the bubble at, uh, at Flushing Meadows. We will rebuild right? them. We have the technology. Yeah. Right. right. So they used that they didn't use any lines people. 
in that tournament. It was all Hawkeye. Well, there you go. So the Hawkeye made the call immediately. One day that'll be how we call balls and strikes, right? Like one day we won't need uh, some ump with a big strike zone back there messing things up. The only difference is you can't argue balls and strikes. If you did, you'd be stopping, you know, on every pitch. It's, right? Was the umpire right? Was he wrong? You can't challenge balls and strikes. That's the weird thing about it. You can umpire, you can challenge everything else now, but you can't challenge balls and strikes. Right, because that's because a sort of a forever. discretion thing too, right? Yeah. Right. Where in a lot of cases, it's the umpire calling shitty balls and strikes that's ruining the game a lot more than a close play at first base. <laughs> right. Okay, up to a thousand spectators will be allowed in to watch the semifinals and finals of the Italian Open Tennis Tournament, said the Italian government today. The tournament, which features nine-time champ Rafael Nadal and top-ranked Novak Djokovic, has so far been played without fans because of the pan, uh, pandemic. Uh, Denny Shapovalov, I think Shapo won today. Oh, good. That's good did, news. I, has anyone been watching? <laughs> like, uh, he was up. I got to find out here. Mike, what kind of producer are you? Don't know who won or not. Uh, I, I only pay attention to majors here. Okay, so he won. He won six four in the third. Okay, good. So. Um, so Chapo's through uh, into the fourth round now. Um, quarterfinals, I guess. he was. It was a round of 16 that he won today. Uh, Milos went down yesterday or the day before. So what's going on with Milos? Um, hmm. Felix went down in the opening round as well. Did not play well. Too many unforced there. So we're carrying the Denny Shapovalov flag. Didn't see his mom. Did see Mikhail Yuzny, his coach. So that's good. And uh, let's see how he does here in, um, in the Italian Open. And, of course, the French coming up. That's the big the big major, sure. which normally is in June. But of course they postponed it to now. Good for Dennis. Uh, Francis Hugo Umbert today. It's nice to have Canadians contending in these uh, tennis tournaments. Yeah. And a, but a thousand people are going to oh. let a thou- up to a thousand people watch the French open. I've evolved in the this semifinals uh, and finals is all they're going to show. If you're able, like to me, it's all about if you're outdoors and you're able to stay six feet from people you don't have in your pod, uh, right. I feel like this virus will be unable to transmit to you. That's and so just cool. as an extra, as an extra layer of precaution, wear the mask, like as an extra, just in case you get within six feet of somebody that you can't control it or whatever. So if you're outdoors, you're wearing a mask and you're staying six feet away from other people, uh, this virus should not, should not be able to transmit to you. Well said. Dr. Mike has spoken. <laughs> the Toronto Maple Leafs have hired Manny Malholtra and not Bruce Boudreau as an assistant coach for the upcoming season, which begins, when does the NHL season begin? Do we know? January? Or am I dreaming? Do we? Do, has there been a schedule put out? Uh, any? I thought January, but I can't remember if that's official or not. But uh, I think it's early January, I think. You don't know, do you? No, should I? Mean, I didn't, I, <laughs> I'm not sure. Anyway, right, so. whenever the Leafs start playing hockey again, Manny Malholter will be uh, one of the assistant coaches. Uh, many thought that it would be Toronto native Bruce Gabby Boudreau who might get the gig. Well, December first, by the way. Coach. December first is when okay, uh, first NHL season begins. Do you think if Bruce Boudreau, who remember coached the Washington Capitals, the Anaheim Mighty Ducks, the Minnesota Wild? Do you think if Bruce Boudreau came as an assistant coach, there would be a lot of, I don't know, drama, more drama surrounding the Maple Leafs? Oh, Gabby tends to. He'd be a threat. He'd be a threat to the head coach, of course. Yeah, of course. Do you think it would create an, an, um, an uneasy atmosphere around this young Leaf team? I don't know. Distraction, maybe? I don't know. It, it would put some heat on the head coach. That's for sure. Interesting. Well, anyway, they don't have to worry about that because Manny Malholtra is he is. I'm not saying that Manny Malholtra wouldn't make a good head coach. I don't know, but anyway. But he's uh, uh, green. Good. He's green, and uh, Bruce is uh, ready for prime time. Yeah, and it's an assistant job as well. And let's you know, let's face it, you move your way up as an assistant. Generally, although a lot of former head coaches are now assistants, right? They're lending their expertise. Right. You know, as long as you as long as you didn't burn any bridges on your way up the ladder, or break any rungs, as it were. Uh-huh. Um, then your trip down the ladder from head coach down to assistant coach, consultant, whatever kind of thing might be a nice smooth one. It's like having a good backup goaltender, like a, a veteran backup goaltender that you, you're not afraid to put into high pressure situations. It's like right. ha- having a good assistant coach yeah. who can step in. 25 years ago, 25, 30 years ago, almost the Maple Leafs had assistant coaches, Mike Kitchen right. and Mike Murphy under Pat Burns. Right. Right. Mike Kitchen has been a coach since then. 
he, I believe he was a coach of St. Louis for a short period. Uh, my, I don't know if it was a full season or not, several years ago. And has always been, it seems, an assistant coach. Mike Kitchen knew a lot of guys coming up through the Leaf organization, the Mark Crawfords, Joel Quenvilles, uh, you know, uh, people like that, Pat Burns, of course, mm-hmm. and, uh, and has done okay for himself. However, um, he's been let go as an assistant coach of the Florida Panthers after he allegedly kicked a Panthers player on the bench during a game earlier this year. Uh, Mike, I think this move is a harbinger. Players will no longer accept the abuses they receive from coaches anymore, and certainly not at the highest levels of play. Uh, Coaches have been getting away with verbal and physical abuse for the longest time because it has been believed by many, by players, by other coaches, by parents, that this is okay. This is the way to get the player to play his best game or her best game yelling and screaming and shouting and even physical abuse is okay if you're building a championship team and it's not right these are human beings and uh they deserve better treatment than being kicked humiliated yelled at um, singled out for transgressions like that and yeah if the guy makes eight million dollars a year sure maybe he should be treated a little differently but not like that you know, you get, and, and also this type of treatment seeps its way into uh, uh, the fans, right? The fans, especially if you see on social media, there's a lot of really angry people who, if they had an opportunity to, might just kick that athlete if they were there, if they were <laughs> coaching, if they were, seriously, well, okay. if they were as frustrated as they see the coaches, they go, oh, I don't know if I could control myself. I might want to kick that guy as well. You got Eric Fisher the other night, well. which is as a fan to, you know, to uh, and and then lash out on Twitter, you know, you, you, you may hurt some feelings, but I think most people on Twitter kind of get it that if it's going to be like that, they can take a pass and not, not open up Twitter, but a player and an athlete doesn't have that choice. Right. You know, the coach is right there. Coach is kicking him verbally abusing that kind of thing. Yeah. They're not going to take uh, that shit anymore. Um, good for them. Not like, take that you anymore. don't need to also take too, that. What shit kind anymore. of message are you sending? Right. Really? So if coaches have been getting away with verbal and physical abuse for the longest time and you stop coaches from doing this mm-hmm. and you punish them, then I think that we can expect a gradual decline in similar behavior in our society in everyday lives. Would that be a fair statement? Yeah, I think that's a fair statement. Yeah, and good. And with that, episode 203 of Hebsey on Sports comes to an end. I was looking for that. Follow Hope you have a great weekend. Thanks to Toronto Mike for production and inspiration. Thanks to our sponsor, Crossman's Golf and Country Club in Burlington. I'll be there Monday. Got like a customer appreciation day. It's going to be fabulous. I can hardly wait to tee it up at Crossman's. Go to crosswindsgolf.com. Book your tee time online up to 14 days in advance. When you get there, tell them Hebsy sent you. It would uh, mean a lot to me that um, the listeners to this podcast um, would go and patronize Crosswind's Golf and Country Club. So thank you for that. And as always, thanks to Toronto Mike and uh, some great guests as always. I, I know you're recording Pandemic Fridays uh, with uh, Stu Stone, Camp Gordon coming up. Give him a shout there. And uh, Mike's done 721 episodes, right? I think so. Yeah, I think maybe Something maybe like 722. Uh, he should be on the Mount Rushmore of <laughs> podcasters in Canada. So give him a listen at Toronto Mike. And uh, thanks again. Thanks for allowing us into your headspace. Back with another exciting edition of Hebsey on Sports next week. Until then, so long for now. This podcast has been produced by TMDS and accelerated by Rome Phone. Rome Phone brings you the most reliable virtual phone service to run your business and protect your home number from unwanted calls. Visit romephone.ca to get started.